Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, everybody, welcome in to the Big Ten Show. He's the almost famous Adam Carricker. I'm the much less famous Jeff Turn, and we are to episode two, week two of the Big Ten Show. Adam, happy, happy week two. How you doing today, man? Dude, I'm doing great, and it's funny because you talk about almost famous. I just interviewed Goldberg, and he Whoa. potentially, potentially could be doing a little promotional four-city tour of his own, so immediately... You know, me being me, I'm like, hey, you need a tag team partner. I'm the almost famous, nobody's ever heard of me, Adam Carricker. I'm a perfect guy to not steal your limelight. He said it was probably not going to happen, but you're telling me there's still a chance. So I have to ask you this. I know you're a WWE (laughs) fan. Have you ever got, like, any opportunity to be in any wrestling ring at any point in your life? Oh, dude, so before I retired, so like 89 years ago, because it seems like it was 89 years ago, six, seven years ago, WWE, they were doing the show Tough Enough that particular summer, and they actually called me about four months before that and said, we'd like to give you an opportunity to come down, train in our performance center, NXT, here in Orlando, and we want you to be on the show Tough Enough. I said, man, I'm, I'm not retired yet, so I'm still working out for NFL, for football, and so that probably won't work, you know, but thank you. And they called me back like a week later and said, hey, we just want to give you an official invite. Show or not, we'd love to have you come down here. And again, I was still pursuing the NFL dream. Obviously, I was not able to come all the way back like I would have liked. Um, I should have picked up the phone years ago and called them. They have no idea who I am now, I guarantee. But yes, I had an offer to actually go down there. The other thing was, you know, when I got six kids, I want to be a part of their lives. And I know a lot of guys, like they'll talk about being on the road 300 plus days a year and you know, if you listen to Steve Austin's podcast he used to have, you know, he, he's been divorced a few times. First thing he ever saw of his daughter, she was 15 years old. So um, those things kind of resonated with me. I got nothing but respect for what they do, though. It is, a, it is an undervalued, underappreciated, incredibly tough job. Oh, absolutely, man. I've been punched by some, uh, you know, some, you know, UFC guys, uh, not like at the bar. I willingly did this on my show, which we'll have to talk about another time. And Deontay Wilder, the heavyweight champ of the world at one point, a couple of times I've taken it to the arm. I've been kicked. I've been punched. Uh, So, yes, man, I know what it's like to somewhat get in the idea. What is wrong with you skinny guys? I have a brother-in-law, okay? Phil McBride, for those who highly intelligent individual, 4.0 his entire life, one of the smartest people I ever met, I've ever met, six foot four, 170 pounds maybe. He goes, Adam, I would love to just stand there as a quarterback. You get in your stance, fire off the line, and just run into me and hit me as hard as you can. And I'm like, why? I don't want to go to jail for manslaughter, and I also don't want to have to your your sister to divorce me. So no, but what is wrong with you people? Oh man, we got to get into that sometime, man. That was that was certainly like the most uh, the, the the closest I'll ever get to like an actual fight. Um, so we got a lot to get to this week, and and we're going to start with the Big Ten commissioner being named in Tony Patetti because uh, you know it's one of those things where we see. You know, the Kevin Warren era have some really big highs and it had some lows and there were some in between. We're going to go back to what we were talking about last week, too. We were taking our pick for what programs were going to be better the next handful of years. And you threw out the 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 question to your Facebook friends, uh, which just happened to be like 70,000 people that follow you. And uh, they were very boisterous about what was going on with the question revolving around Minnesota and Nebraska. Plus... 
We had an interesting spring game at Ohio State, which has us thinking about some guys we would like to see come back for just one game, one game, and they'd be in their prime. We get to see them play one game in the Big Ten. But Adam, I want to start. Uh, Tony Patetti is the new Big Ten commissioner, and we talk about the Kevin Warren era, and he hands off the baton. And Kevin came from the NFL background. He did not come from the college administration background. Tony comes from the network background, the TV side of things. And so this is sort of a trend we've seen now with these conferences going with guys that aren't your prototypical athletic director or you know school president or whatever the case may be on the college athletic side. So I want to start with that part of it and work our way from there. Do you like that trend where, where now guys are going with uh, these people that aren't familiar maybe with the academic side of it, but they're very familiar with the business side of it? Do I like it? No. Do I like this hire based on what college football is becoming? Yes, it's a phenomenal hire based on what you need. And, you know, Kevin Warren, he's going to go be the president and CEO of the Chicago Bears. Best of luck to the Bears. And you mentioned it uh, a little bit up and down here as, as time as the Big Ten commissioner. And this is the Big Ten seventh commissioner, okay, that we just hired. He's a TV guy. And let's, let's just read some of his time in, in TV. 14-time National Sports Emmy Award winner, deputy commissioner and COO of Major League Baseball at one point, held senior executive roles at CBS, ABC, oversaw acquisition deals of the NCAA men's basketball tournament, right. regular seasons men's basketball, college football, NFL, PGA Tour, the Masters, U.S. Open, tennis championships, Little League World Series, and the creation of the BCS. So he's at least been affiliated with college football at some point in time, but he's a TV guy. Right. That is what this has become. When you sure. look back at Kevin Warren's tenure, I, I didn't think he handled COVID very well. He may be one of the least popular. I'm, you know, I'm obviously around Nebraska folks, and they weren't crazy with how the COVID thing went. It was handled. But I don't want to say one of the least like Big Ten commissioners in, in recent memory, but he wasn't uber popular, that's for sure. And so the one thing I think that he has to hang his hat on, USC, UCLA coming to the Big Ten. My question right. is, would that have happened either way, though? I don't that know that it would have. Already. I don't know that it would have, but I, I liked Kevin Warren for everything he did except that you know the covid situation was so tough for everybody because we didn't know what the hell was going on but he he kind of went rogue on that where he just decided all right I'm going to take the reins when I think he could have just pulled back a little bit and it would have gone a lot. the messaging wasn't good and if he would have had better messaging I think it would have gone a long way but listen he brought in a ton of money to the big 10 he brought in two new uh schools that are going to make them a ton of money and that's sort of what you're tasked with now as the commissioner is to make a ton of money so I thought everything that he did was pretty solid, except you know the messaging with COVID. And then they went back on it, and it wasn't like he dug in either. Like he, you know, he didn't say, "All right, we're not, we're, we're the Ivy League, we're not playing at all this fall." So I give him a little credit for that. But listen, uh, you know, Tony comes in now, and you're right, man. He is pegged with just making them money and getting them bigger TV deals at this point. Well, that's what he is. That's his background. That's exactly who he is. So what you're looking for. I don't exactly like that it's what you need to look for now, but with what you need for these big mega conferences now, you need a TV guy because everything revolves about big money TV deals at this point. I will say this. I'm not convinced that USC and UCLA don't come in. And here's something I haven't heard anyone point out. I remember seeing about a handful of articles three, four years ago of Oklahoma, Texas, potentially talking about Kevin Warren here, potentially coming into the Big Ten, and it never happened. So some people might look at it as, oh, we got USC, UCLA. I almost kind of look at it as we didn't get Oklahoma, Texas. And I don't know that one's better than the other because when you look at the L.A. market and go. That's right. Coast, yeah. 
to yeah. West Coast and the Big Ten, that's pretty phenomenal. I don't know who people would choose, though, Oklahoma, Texas, USC, UCLA, given the choice. I, I think, you know, hiring Tony, I think it was a home run, I think, with Kevin. Because you, you look at the COVID season. Look at what that did to the Pac-12. They, they handled it horribly, and they ain't been the same since. SEC said, we're going to come out and play, and now they're starting to take off. At least Kevin finally said we're going to play some ball. Otherwise, we might have got left with everyone else when the SEC started to separate. At least we're able to keep a little bit of pace with them. That's right. Adam Carricker. I'm Jeff Turn. This is the Big Ten Show. Adam, uh, there were a few spring games over the weekend. And just you know, briefly, we're not going to go into the, the, the nuts and bolts of all of them. Uh, and we're going to get to an Ohio State nugget here in just a second and also circle back to that question about Minnesota and Nebraska. But Michigan State had a spring game. Penn State had a spring game. Indiana had their spring game. Ohio State had their spring game. Like, I know the fans are excited to see football and humans in jerseys and pads. But I've been to one spring game in my life, ever. And, and I didn't learn anything new about what was going to happen that year. I know there's a reason why they do it. But I don't think it's the reason that a lot of fans think, and that's to like, all right, I'm going to hammer out position battles based on this. You know what actually I think comes from the spring game more now in today's world? I don't know if you noticed this on social media, but I felt like the last week or so as we were getting ready for spring games, I seen a little little bit of movement on that transfer portal. Some, some guys out there going, all right. I was like the third dude on the depth chart when we were talking spring game, and now I'm exiting stage right. I feel like the biggest thing that's come from spring games is guys realizing they're maybe farther on the depth chart, and they're getting the heck out of Dodge. That's, that's all I'm learning right now. I agree with you. I, so spring games have always been tough. People get excited because you haven't had football in months. All right, And as a player, I used to look forward to the spring game. All right. So for me, you know, spring football was an integral part of getting better as a player. But in reality, it was 15 practices when we didn't play games for months. So right. for me, the spring game was something that I looked forward to that kind of marked once the spring game was over. Now we're getting ready for the season. And I know that doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's kind of how I viewed it as a player, especially a young, younger freshman, sophomore, immature type guy. But offenses are going to be bland. Defenses are going to be boring. What you can really tell from a spring game isn't what they're going to do offensively, defensively. It isn't even a lot of times who looks better. Okay. A lot of times what it is is what fan bases, what fan bases give a crap. Who shows up? You got Ohio State with over 75,000 people. You're going to have Nebraska with 80, 90,000 people. You look at USC, no, no disrespect to USC. Welcome to the Big Ten, my friends, in a couple of years. I, I mean, it just looked like a typical Tuesday afternoon. In, in it was desolate. Yeah. There was like yeah. nobody there. So to me, it tells me which fan bases actually give a crap. And the one thing you can tell, because teams don't typically blitz a lot, they don't run a lot of fancy stuff on offense, you're going to see one-on-one -on -one battles. You're going to see basic defensive coverages. Can that DB cover that wide receiver one-on-one? -on -one? You're going to see one-on-ones with O-lines and D-lines. That's about the only thing that I really give from spring games because it's such basic uh, football when it comes to scheme that you get a lot of one-on-one -on -one battles, and that's about the only thing I can really take out of spring games. Because other than that, it's just the most glorified, analyzed, talked about, overhyped practice of the entire year every year. And people are excited because you finally have football for like two hours. For two hours. Uh, and certainly, I think uh, the transfer portal part of it was a unique part that's changed over the last couple of years, too, because guys are starting to see maybe what their roles are. And they thought it was one thing. By the time we get to spring football, it's something different. Adam Carricker, I'm Jeff Turn at Adam Carricker94 at JTESPN. Make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, make sure you rate, review, do all the things with us on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts. Also, there 
on YouTube. Uh, Adam, uh, if if you were paying attention on social media this weekend, uh, you saw some highlights of a guy that uh, had made it to the end zone quite a few times, but probably not in a while. And that was Archie Griffin there at Ohio State, the two-time Heisman Trophy winner for the Ohio State, winning that award in 1974 and 1975. They gave him the rock, and he ran it into the end zone. I loved one of the Sports Center anchors saying, "If you if you hit him, you're suspended for the rest of the year," <laughs> uh, which I thought was great. But I wanted you and I to come up with a list of three guys, each of us coming up with three guys that if we could see him for one more game, one more game. What would our list look like of Big Ten players? And I'm going to let you go first, and and I want you to go every other with me here. So give me a name, tell me why, and then I'll give you mine, and we'll go from there. So I'm going to go with the only Heisman Trophy winner in college football history that was predominantly a defensive player, and that's Charles Woodson from the University of Michigan. I mean, that's pretty special in of itself. And then when they threw him in on offense, he would make plays. And then he had the punt return for a touchdown, I believe, against Ohio State, the one that sticks out in my mind anyways. He was a guy who could do it all. He beat out Peyton Manning to win the Heisman Trophy. Right. All right. Randy Moss as well, and Ryan Leaf was, a, was in the Heisman room that, that day as well as a Final Four contender. And then he goes on to the NFL. 15-year career. Gonna, if he's not already. Hall he's all famer. Yeah. yeah, Super Bowl champ, Pro Bowler, one of the best to ever do it. He, his game was different than Dion's in the style that he played, but what he could do was very similar to Dion. So for me, my first pick is Charles Woodson. All right, I'm going to Nebraska, baby, and here's why. Okay, so like when I was growing up, huge Miami fan, as I've told you guys before, but there was one player, <laughs> there was only one Husker that I liked growing up and it was because i thought he was spectacular he was big time and every time he got the ball in his hand which was a lot playing the position he did i wanted to see what would happen and that is tommy frazier i just i i i grew up in the in the era where in south dakota like if you said tommy frazier you knew it was box office right like that dude was spectacular and it was sort of the coming of age when i first started watching college football a little more intently and for a guy that loves miami to pick a nebraska guy it takes a lot you got to be damn good and tommy frazier was that um i thought he was so special i think he paved the way for so many other quarterbacks to come through that system after him uh that had skill sets that that fit what they wanted to do so tommy frazier uh number one on my list not in particular order but he's he's number one here on my list today all right so we got you and i did not like we knew the topics, but we did not discuss any names. We nope. did not discuss our opinions on any. We never do. No, nope. so we have a, we have crossover here. Tommy Frazier. And here's he's on your have, He's on my list. And here's what I have written. College Football Hall of Famer, greatest option quarterback of all time. Two-time national champ. Could have easily won the Heisman that year. No disrespect to Eddie George. Also, two-time Orange Bowl champ, Fiesta Bowl champ. You're a, I'm, I'm sorry, a champ, but a MVP. When you win the MVP three straight years in a major bowl game, that in itself, on top of everything else he did, is pretty uh, phenomenally phenomenal. So I actually have Tommy Frazier on my list as well. All right, man. Uh, next on my list is a running back at Ohio State. And, and I'm going to bring this back to Miami again, okay? So I've never felt more robbed watching a football game than when Ohio State beat Miami in the, the BCS National Championship game where there were some phantom pass interference calls and Maurice Claret. <laughs> well, phantom. Oh, dude. Literally, dude. literally, I want to check where those officials actually grew up, fourth man, to be honest with you. If I remember correctly, fourth and 14 on that play. It was, 
absolutely a joke. Okay, right. so uh, so that that game, you saw Maurice Claret go absolutely crazy as well. Like, dude was super legit. So what I want is Maurice Claret to come back for one game, play Miami, and the U stomp all over those Buckeyes right. and not let those guys get it done, knowing that you aren't going to get the help of the officials the second time around, man. And so, uh, yes, I would like to see Maurice Claret come back so we could get some redemption against him because dude was balling on us that day, man. You're, you're a vengeful human being, my friend. Yes, I love yes, you. yes. Uh, maybe the greatest, Herschel Walker probably, but maybe the greatest true freshman running back of all yeah. time in yeah. Maurice Claret. All right. My third and final individual is an individual I never got to watch, and that's why I want to watch him. I didn't get to watch him in the pros. I didn't get to watch him at Illinois. I actually learned he was not only a linebacker but a center when I looked him up. Maybe the greatest football name of all time, and if he wasn't good at football, maybe the worst, Buckkiss, Dick Buckkiss. All right, maybe the greatest linebacker of all time. And like I said, played center at Illinois as well. I would love to have this guy come back so I could watch, learn, study, and just freaking see him play. So I actually have a football signed by Dick Buckus. My mom got at some uh, at some event she was at when I was younger. My kid actually plays with that football today nice. outside, and the signature is almost gone at this point. It's just a smaller <laughs> football, so he liked it. Uh, but yeah, Dick Buckus was great. By the way, he's a he's an undervalued Twitter follower. If you get a chance, follow Dick okay. Buckus on Twitter. Right. He's great, man. He's great. All right, my final one. And this was tough for me, man, because I was thinking Kerry Collins was big when I was growing up. I uh, loved him at Penn State. Uh, but I went with the quarterback as well for this one, and it's 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 Harbaugh, man. It's Jim Harbaugh, and I think because at the time, you know, uh, when Harbaugh was coming up, I, I knew him more as the NFL guy because you know, '87, uh, he gets drafted in the NFL. I was two years old, but I knew him going up against my Steelers in the in the playoffs when he was quarterback in the Colts. But everything that's come since about Harbaugh, the quarterback, the coach, now back at Michigan. I would just like one game Harbaugh in his prime uh, against you know the Buckeyes or Penn State or somebody like that, and I'd like to watch Harbaugh chuck it around a little bit, knowing what I know his his life turned out to be after this moment. How about this, real quick? Yeah. Side note: If you could pick one coach to come back and coach one game, Big Ten. Oh, first. You got one on your mind. Let, let me think about it. It's Osborne, man. And for me, again, it goes back to when I was a kid. Okay. So Osborne. So listen, when Osborne. Was was still coach Nebraska. We went to Pierce, South Dakota, to do some fishing, and we went into a fish hatchery. Uh, or actually, it was the cleaning place. And um, I walk in, and Tom Osborne's in there, dude. He he spent time with me as if we'd known each other. I was like a little kid. Took a picture with me. It was great. And then the second time I met Osborne, I was doing a radio show at Nebraska in 2013, prior to the Miami Nebraska game. We were up at the uh, at the press box doing the show the day before, and I go down to my car with all my equipment, and Tom's walking with his wife. And I run over to him. He probably thought he was about to get robbed. And I run over to him and I'm like, can I take a picture, Mr. Osborne? And his wife's like, oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. But I startled him so much. Like, you guys are lucky Osborne's still here. Because, oh, I mean, he, he almost died that day because he almost had a heart attack because we kept running over. There. We got like a big briefcase that looks like a bomb. It's, it's you know, the equipment's inside of it. He thought he was about to get jumped. Uh, but he was so generous then too. So I have a photo when I was about eight, nine, and then... And again, another guy that growing up, I just appreciated the greatness of, of Tom Osborne. And he'd be he'd be on my list. I'd like to see one game with Osborne. So, okay. A name popped into my mind as soon as you asked me the question. But it was Osborne. And I'm like, great. Everyone's just going to call me a Nebraska homer. So that's yeah. why I was like trying to think of somebody else. But you look at the different types of offenses and how he evolved over the years and what he was able to accomplish and what Nebraska has not accomplished since he was there. 
Okay, it, it just exponentially expounds what he did accomplish while he was there and the way he was over to overcome, able to overcome some of those hurdles and beat teams that have geographical advance advantages. So to me, it was Osborne, but I'm like, man, I got to pick somebody else. Woody Hayes, I want to see Woody Hayes homer. coach today's players, man. I want to see Woody Hayes coach today's players out there. Man. That'd be amazing. Name that popped into my head. I don't know. Yeah. He might punch somebody and get thrown in jail, but you know, that's yes, yes. Awesome. great football coach. So great football coach. I do have one, one spring game question. Okay. Because okay. we're not going to dive too much into this. All right. Ohio State, one of their quarterbacks was banged up. Okay. So Kyle McCord, you know, took the majority of the reps. He had flashes. Okay. Threw a touchdown pass, had some good touchdown or uh, pass completions to Marvin Harrison, the junior, uh, junior. But he had, he missed some wide open guys on third down, some wide open guys on third and fourth and seven. And he was without three of his starting receivers. Does right. Ohio State, and they were down one of their quarterbacks in their quarterback competition, Devin Drew. Do they have a bit of a concern at the quarterback position? I don't think so, man. I, I'm not until Ohio State does have a concern at the quarterback position. I see it in regular season games. I'm not going to go there because it just feels like every time that they they pass the baton from one to the other, whether that's you know a guy that turns out to be good in the NFL, like Justin Fields looks like he will be, or maybe CJ Stroud, or you go from you know Braxton Miller, whoever, uh, they figure it out, man. Talent travels, Adam. That talent travels, right. and especially when you got like two or three guys that are talented. I'm, I'm going to be okay on it. Hey, real quick here, man. Let's get back to the Nebraska-Minnesota conversation before we get out of here. He's Adam Carricker. I'm Jeff Turn. You threw out the question that we were discussing last week, whose future is brighter, Minnesota or Nebraska? And, man, people had opinions left and right on this topic. As, as we've had a week to sort of look at those comments and think about what they said and sort of what we, what we reacted to, to answer that question again, your answer was what? Real quick, I want to make sure I said his name correct. Devin Brown was uh... – was the individual who was ruled out. Now, I, here are some of my favorite responses. Okay, to me, it's Nebraska. Minnesota's clearly better right now. Okay, they've been beating us with less, getting more out of less for years and beating us for years with less, so to speak, on the recruiting ranking front. But here's some of my favorite responses. Nick Harpster says, and I quote, based off attire, I'm going with Matt Rule. That was just one of my favorite responses, just talking about clothing attire. All right, next, you got Jojo DeJango. All right. And I quote, Minnesota might have the better football program right now, but the future is always brighter at a program like Nebraska versus one like Minnesota, end quote. And the next one, I quote, definitely Matt Rule. P.J. Fleck is a solid coach, but he's topped out at Minnesota. If he goes to another school, he may have a little bit more success. But if now Matt Rule has the brightest future of the two, end quote. That was from Husker Trap. <clears throat> Tried to gloss over that name. Now, P.J. Fleck has been there. You didn't even hear it, did you? P.J. No. Fleck has been there. This is his seventh year. Good. It worked. All right. 44 and 27 record at Minnesota, 62% winning percentage, 74 and 49 overall as a coach in his total career, which is 60% winning percentage. In 2019, they had their best win total. Okay, they won 11 games, which is the most a Minnesota team has won since 1904 when that team won 13. He is 4 and 0 in bowl games. All right. He's currently sixth in the Big Ten in wins at 26 and games coached with 71. So he's sixth in the Big Ten in games coached, sixth in the Big Ten in wins as well. Now, in 2019, when they had 11 wins, they played four ranked teams. Only one was in the top 10. And when they played Wisconsin for the Big Ten West Championship on the line, they lost 38 to 17. Here's my point. He's done a great job. I actually like P.J. Fleck. I don't understand the, the crap that he gets sometimes. I think he's a good coach, but I don't know what more he can do there. His best season and their ceiling since 1904 is what he did in 2019. I don't know how he exceeds that. Maybe I'm wrong. What say you? I will say that. I think Minnesota still has a little bit bigger ceiling, but I said this about like Minnesota hoops too. Like if, if Minnesota basketball makes it 
to an elite eight, celebrate it like it's a national championship because you ain't winning a championship anymore. Last time they were in the final four, it got taken away with Clem Haskins and, and all that stuff that was going on then. Um, I, I Minnesota football is not winning a national championship. I could see Nebraska hitting lightning in a bottle, though, and having an opportunity one year to win a national championship. I still don't think they're going to anytime soon based on how good the SEC is, based on how good Michigan's been lately, and based on how good Ohio State always is. I, I still put Nebraska in that middle of the road, even though they've had more below middle of the road seasons as of late. But Minnesota, and I saw a lot of the comments on your Facebook page say that they've topped out. I think there's a little bit bigger ceiling there, but they have to get more offensively creative than just handing the football off if they want to have that ceiling expand. I don't know that that P.J. Fleck has hit his ceiling, though. And by that, I mean, like, I could see P.J. Fleck getting a better job than Minnesota. I don't know that Matt Rule is going to get a better job than Nebraska down, on, down throughout on. his career. Nebraska's ceiling is higher than Minnesota, though. We agree on that. Correct. I think they have okay. they they, right. they have the, they have the resources in place. Like Minnesota just recently, just recently, finally put together you know an athletic village, and it started putting money back into the program. I went there from two thousand three to two thousand six, and I mean, dude, it was just you know not for for not competitive to compare to the other Big Ten schools as far as what they had for resources then. And we fast forward twenty years later, and they're still behind the eight ball in a lot of sense, but they put a lot more in. But, I mean, dude, they're not getting, you know, you go to TCF Bank Stadium and in the biggest game they'll sell that thing out or whatever and you get, you know, whatever it is, 40,000 people. You're not getting 90,000 people. That that does something to a fan base. Like, it, it brings in more money. I just think, for now, I'll, I'll still answer Nebraska has the bigger ceiling and, and, and has a bigger ceiling. But I don't know that it's a brighter future the next two or three years. I would say maybe over the next five years they accumulate more wins and have more success. I still say this year, next year, Minnesota and PJ Fleck probably win more games and make better bowl games, but I don't know that PJ's there after that. I still think PJ is looking for that next job. I think Matt Rule coming in and having the taste of the NFL and it not working out probably would like this to be sort of his landing spot for quite some time. Yeah, I agree with you. If if Coach Rule can win 10-11 games at Temple and then win 10-11 games with the menagerie that Baylor was when he took it over, yep. imagine what he could do at a place like Nebraska. I do think, and this is not supposed to be a shot at anybody, just saying, but I think Minnesota and Nebraska are both better than Miami. So I think that's a great show for today. And we can here, sign off with that, that comment right there, my friend. Get the hell out of here on that, man. <laughs> the you, baby, Mario Cristobal. I don't care if it's a Big Ten show, baby. We're going all the way one of these years again. Down. No, we don't go the U down. We go the U up, baby, the U up. Uh, he's the almost famous Adam Carricker. I'm much less famous. Jeff Turn has another page just turned here on the Big Ten Show. Until we talk next time, y'all, be well. Take care.